Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and we are thankful to have you join us for our online service. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read a pretty long passage of scripture today, verse 21 through to the end of the chapter. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhaging stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And then he put all of them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went into where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years old. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom today to think deep and true thoughts about the word of God. Lord, this is such a powerful look at your heart for us, for people And I pray today that we would see something in your heart, something that would move us to live our lives more faithfully, more hopefully, as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love this story because it's a layered story. There are two things happening here. It's one event, but we see Jairus and this unnamed woman, they intersect as they both need something from Jesus. And so what we're going to do today is actually a little bit different from what we normally do in a sermon. First, I'm going to walk through this story through the lens of Jairus. And then we're going to walk through the story again from the perspective of this unnamed woman. Because I believe that these two people intersecting with Jesus actually represent probably where most all of us are in one way or another as we seek to live our lives before God. So let's, let's look. Number one, Jairus. He's an important man. He is named. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a big deal. He has a reputation in the community, probably wealth and affluence and power. Jairus is named and important. And it's very important for us to know that this guy, despite all of his power, 
finds himself faced with need. The second thing we see in this portion of this telling of the story is that Jairus has a deep sense of need. His daughter is sick. And I've been thinking about this because I'm thinking about need in my own life. Need is an equalizer. See, Jairus is rich. He's powerful. He's influential. And yet because his baby girl is sick, he is brought to a place of neediness. He's in touch with his need. He has a need that money can't fix. He has a need that reputation cannot fix. He has a need that touches him right at the very core of his being. And because of his need, he is driven to Jesus. And I don't know what it is. Maybe he's heard something about Jesus that he's a healer. I think that's probably what was going on here. But whatever it was that was driving him, Jairus sees that he's out of options and that Jesus is probably the only way for him to move forward. And so we see here a rich, educated, religious man driven by his need to Jesus. And what we see in the story is that Jesus immediately responds to the need. Jairus comes and he says, help me. And Jesus is responsive. And so what we see in the story is that Jesus immediately begins to move with Jairus to Jairus's home. And I want you to imagine how this must have felt for Jairus. He's broken, he's afraid, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus immediately says, sure, I'll go with you. As I sit with Jairus in this story, I imagine the relief he must have felt, the the feeling of, well, it's going to be okay, or at least something good may happen because Jesus is moving with me to my home. Jairus has probably seen his hope rise a little bit. The third thing we see in Jairus' story is that he and Jesus experience a delay. As they're walking to their house, a crowd gathers around them. And the crowd begins to press in around Jesus. They begin to push into him because word has got out in the community that Jesus, the healer, the the teacher, the rabbi is in town. And so people begin to press. And probably a bunch of people who aren't as elite as Jairus, who don't have as much power. You know, people who probably wouldn't have ever felt like they could go to Jesus and stand up and seek a formal audience. People who just wanted to see or maybe people who were desperate. And they crowd around Jesus. And in that crowding, an unnamed woman touches Jesus and everything stops. And we hear the story of the unnamed woman and we're going to sit with her in a few moments. But I want you to consider the unnamed woman from Jairus' perspective. His baby's dying. And now Jesus isn't going to his house right now. He's looking around going, who touched me? And Jairus probably feels this panic rising inside him thinking, we've got to get to the house because my daughter is sick. And now Jesus is looking around in a crowd saying, who touched me? What's going on? What what power went out from me? And I imagine as Jesus moves toward the woman, as he begins to tend to the woman, Jairus starts to feel more and more anxious. He's probably losing his mind thinking, we've got to get out of here, Jesus. We've got to go take care of the need that you said you would meet. And as I think about my own life, there are times where I need God to do something and then the delays kick in and it seems like God's doing all kinds of things and those things sometimes cause me to feel anxious or worried. Well, while Jairus is worrying, all hope is lost. Somebody turns up from his household and says, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. And I just want you to imagine how this would have felt from Jairus' perspective. He thinks, well, if you'd just gone from A to B, Jesus, if you'd just got there when we needed to get there, then maybe she would have lived. 
And somebody says, let's just go home. And the thing that's so interesting is that rather than including Jesus, Jesus, the text tells us, overhears Jairus speaking to his servant or his household manager. And Jesus says, no, I still want to go to your house. And this is such an interesting thing for me, and it's something I experience all the time in my walk with God. There are times where disappointment and confusion make me want to stop, and yet I still have this sense that Jesus wants to keep going. Well, Jesus wants to go to Jairus' house, but Jairus is probably confused and sad and disappointed enough that he's thinking, maybe I should just go home. See, fear and disappointment cause us to turn inward. They cause us to pull inside ourselves, to take our risk or our hope or our faith and go home. And that's probably precisely what Jairus is experiencing in terms of a temptation. That leads me to the last thing I want to say about Jairus. The invitation for Jairus in this moment is don't give up, don't walk away, don't go home by yourself. I think the actual biggest test of Jairus's life happened in that moment. Would he, in his disappointment, depart from Jesus and go home? Or would he say, Jesus, would you come with me to the place where I'm the most confused and the most disappointed and the most afraid? See, Jairus had an opportunity to invite Jesus into now the place of his despair, to take him to the deathbed of his own child. And I believe that for you and me, the invitation is just the same. Will we invite Jesus into the places that seem hopeless? Or will we just say, nah, I'm going to go home. Jairus decided to invite Jesus into his home. And they get there. And there's a crowd of people carrying on and Jesus reduces the crowd. And I really love what he does here because he, he says, I'm only going to bring a few people into the most tender spots. And I think y'all, there's a lesson here for us. Jesus doesn't want you to invite everyone into your most tender places, your most hopeless places. He just wants you to invite a few safe people there. So mom and dad go, Jesus's closest friends go, they get rid of all the crowds and they go into the darkest place and Jesus works a miracle. He brings a little girl back from the dead. And as soon as he brings her back from a hopeless place, he says, y'all feed the child. And I've been thinking about this in my own life. The Lord's always wanting to heal us and feed us. He's always wanting to restore places that are hurt. And then he wants to strengthen us so that we grow from weakness into something stronger. And I believe he wants to do that for you and for me. He wants to heal me and restore me. And he wants to move me to places of strength. It's not just enough to be alive, to not be dead. The Lord wants to move us to places of strength and we have to be nourished. So that's this story from Jairus' perspective. A bold man with a need who invites Jesus and then has to decide whether he's going to go home without Jesus or not, and Jesus meets him. But let's consider the story from the unnamed female. So in the story of Jesus, the man has a name, the man is powerful, the man is privileged, the man has an insider track and a reputation. This woman were never told her name. She's powerless, she's anonymous, she's humiliated. This woman has suffered. This woman is um, in pain. This woman has gone broke trying to fix her problem to no avail. And she encounters Jesus in a crowd with a really important guy. And so the first thing we see here is that she's an unnamed female. And in that moment of meeting Jesus in the crowd, Jesus seems really busy. He's with important people. He's clearly going somewhere. 
And many of us probably resonate with the fact that Jesus always seems to be going somewhere with more important people than us. Many of you have probably even thought, you know, my needs are small compared to or unimportant compared to the needs of somebody else. And so we have a tendency to want to blend into the crowd. See, the second thing we see about this unnamed woman is she's embarrassed by her neediness. So she presses into the crowd. She seeks to remain anonymous as long as she can because her bleeding won't stop. Her, her need is an unmet need, and now she's at the end of her rope. Have you ever tried to fix something that can't be fixed? Have you ever tried to cure something in you that just can't be cured? Well, that's where this woman is. She's beyond desperate. I think she's at her wit's end. I think she feels precisely lost. And yet, in her low estate, in her desperation, she moves into the crowd to just see if Jesus would do something for her. And she's healed. See, the Bible, one of the translations of the Bible says that when she touched Jesus's garment, that virtue flowed out of Jesus and into her body, and she knew it. She felt something change. She notices that she had been healed, but so does Jesus. And now this man who's going somewhere with an important person stops, and he looks around, and he says, who touched me? And that leads us to the third thing we see in this passage. The disciples say, Jesus, everyone is touching you. What do you mean who touched me? The crowds were pressing in all around and this woman felt safe as an anonymous member of the crowd. See, that day she didn't go into this crowd thinking I'm gonna have a really important conversation with Jesus. She simply wanted Jesus to meet a need and she didn't care that she would be known or even seen. Everyone's touching you. And aware that she can no longer hide, because Jesus won't let it go, she steps out of the crowd and she says, I guess I ought to reveal myself to Jesus. She reluctantly decides to come out of hiding. See, it's really important for us to see that she came into that crowd that day thinking, I'll stay anonymous. And yet because Jesus won't let it go, because rather than go with the important man, he looks around and says, who touched me? She realizes that she has to make a choice to step out of the shadows. And many of us would rather stay in the shadows. And yet there are times where Jesus invites us to take a risk and step out of the shadows. And so she tells him the whole story, fearfully, reluctantly, because the story was embarrassing and how many of us struggle to tell Jesus or other people our story because we're embarrassed by our story. This woman had every reason to feel embarrassed, but the text tells us she told Jesus the whole truth. Y'all, her telling Jesus the whole truth would have taken some time. She makes a choice to risk and be vulnerable before a man that she believes she can finally trust. She names her uncleanness and she opens herself up. And for some of us listening to me today, the invitation in front of you is to name the places that you're afraid to name, to name your pain and your uncleanness and the places where you feel disqualified, you feel sad, you feel betrayed. That's what this woman does for Jesus. She opens herself up rather than keeps herself closed off. And Jesus calls her daughter. Everything I know and that we know about this woman places her in a marginalized space. She's unnamed. She's sick. She's alone. 
And Jesus doesn't just heal her, he calls her his daughter. He gives her a name that has dignity, that that speaks of family belonging. He calls her a child, his child. He makes her well, not just healed, but well. He restores her and calls her daughter. He speaks to her essential humanity and says, you belong to someone, you belong to me. But despite Jesus' help, just like with Jairus, he was tempted to go home. I believe that her temptation was to shrink back into the crowd, to be anonymous. And both Jairus and the unnamed woman, they, they resist the temptation. Jairus goes home with Jesus. The woman steps out of the crowd toward Jesus. And I believe that one of the things the Lord wants you and me to work on in our own life with God is to recognize the places where we feel tempted to either go it alone or to shrink back. And everybody has their own temptation. Everybody has their own uh, vulnerability there. And I think the Lord would have us know what the vulnerability is for us and how we might move toward Jesus. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions before we pray and we, we turn you loose today. Some questions for you to either reflect on in, in a group if you're watching church with a group of friends or just to journal, to think about, to pray through. I know I've done the same all by myself this week with the Lord as I've thought about these things. Number one, who do you identify with most in this story? Do you identify with Jairus, with his daughter who's sick, the unnamed woman, maybe an anonymous person in the crowd? Who, who do you resonate with? Who do you find yourself identifying with? I think it's good for us to name that and, and maybe reflect on why. Number two, what do you need from Jesus at this time? See, this story is full of need. Everybody has a need. They've named their need. What do you need? What would you need Jesus to do for you? And number three, I would ask you to think about where are you tempted to either walk away like Jairus or to shrink back into the crowd like the unnamed woman? And what might God be inviting you to do about this temptation? I want us to pray, and then we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together before I turn you loose. Father, I pray for my friends today, and I ask you to cover us and Help us to find you, Jesus, to see you, Jesus, and to do what we need to do to be known by you and to make our needs known, Lord. I pray that you would find us, Lord, and meet us like you did Jairus and this unnamed woman. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And now let's boldly pray the words of the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. But before we do, I just want to say that if you are in Atlanta watching church, and want to receive communion in your home, you can come by the church during the week and grab a communion kit. Similarly, if this is your church, we hope that you will join us soon for one of our in-person services if you're in Atlanta. Church has been so good lately. and We would encourage you to come and check us out, to come back into this building. It's a gift to be together. And I would also say to those of you who call this place home, um, on our website, you can find ways to give to support our mission and to serve and connect in the life of the church as we re-engage this new season of being gathered together. But if you're a guest or you're checking us out from far away or maybe you've been away for a long time, we just want to say everything's taken care of. You need not give or serve. Um, that's just for those of us who call this place home. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Amen.